Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Okay, let's find 1 John, 3rd chapter. Our Heavenly Father, as we approach your Word, we do so with reverence, with humility, thanking you that we can trust our lives to its provisions, thanking you, dear Father God, for receptive hearts, attentive ears, and open minds, thanking you, dear Father God, that you will impart unto us your wisdom, that we may use the knowledge of your Word in a profitable way, that you, dear Father God, could carry out your perfect will in our lives. We thank you, dear Father God, that all that hears the Word shall be doers of the Word and not hearers only. In Jesus' precious name, amen. In case you haven't been with us, I never stop teaching. I just continue. So I'm just continuing. I don't know how many lessons this is on prayer. It must be eight or nine or something like that. I'm not sure. So, if you feel like as though from the beginning you're lost, just sit tight. You'll get found. And what we're going to do is continue from where we left off this morning. You know, we're like a choo-choo train. See? We just keep adding on, adding on, adding on. We just don't stop. Over here in 1 John, you find your scripture in the third chapter and 16th verse. But we're not going to read it right now. You just find it. It's there. I just want to reiterate a few points I made this morning. So we can catch up where we left off and then we'll continue. Our subject is a subject of prayer. When we begin way back when, I don't even know when, we talked about three divisions of prayer. Our first division consisted of four subdivisions. Prayer that changes things, the prayer of petition and supplication, the prayer of agreement, prayer of binding and loosing, and finally, fourth, that's what we're on right now, is the prayer of intercession. We said that many times we're confronted with trials and circumstances and situations of life that seemingly are impossible. But praise God, the Word teaches us that there's not a situation, a temptation, or a trial that can come our way that God has not made a way out. I said He's made a way out. He's made a way of escape. Amen. All we need to do is find it. That way of escape is not found in the world system or method, but it's found in the Word. We said, though, it takes the Spirit of God to impart to us the wisdom of God so that we can use the Word of God in a profitable way so that the Father can carry out His will in our lives. Talking about the prayer of intercession, we said that people are not cooperating with the will of God concerning their lives and that's why people need to intercede. Now, if the person was cooperating, then you can get him to a place of agreement. When that loved one that you're praying for is not cooperating with the Word of God, he needs to be interceded for with the wisdom of God, by the Spirit of God, through the Word of God. But if they could come to a place that you can get them to agree with you, then praise God, you can use the prayer of agreement. 
Now, in many cases, you'll use the prayer of binding and loosing, and you may use the prayer of agreement, and it will cooperate with the prayer of intercession. But we broke them down so we can just, you know, see the difference between the types of prayer and enlarge our understanding concerning this vital prayer of intercession. We said this morning that Moses interceded for the children of Israel when the Father said, My wrath is waxing hot against this wicked people in the 32nd chapter of the book of Exodus. And he says, It's my desire to destroy them off the face of the earth, Moses, and raise up a nation out of you. He said, so let me alone and let me wax hot in my wrath. But praise God, Moses besought the Lord. He didn't let him alone. We can say that intercession is a type of prayer that just keeps on bugging God. <laughs> Amen. We just don't get out of the throne room. We just hang around there. Not to get him to do something, but to let him know that we are persistent. See, one of these ingredients of intercessory prayer is perseverance. Perseverance, Ephesians 6 and 18 tells us to persevere with making intercession or prayer for all saints with all perseverance and supplication in the Spirit. Another ingredient, which we're going to get into later, is fervency. Be fervent in spirit, be fervent in mind, be fervent in prayer. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Or, as the Amplified Version says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man makes... A lot of power available, dynamic, and it's working. So you see, there are different types of prayer. We can get into the presence of God on the behalf of somebody else until he does something to help that individual to change his will. If a person's going down the wrong road, a dark road, and there's a bridge out, if they don't see any signs that says bridge out, they might just go off the, you know, off the end of the road and just fall into the river below. But bless God, if somebody posted some signs along that dark road and said, Bridge out 1,000 feet, bridge out 750 feet, bridge out 500 feet, they began to see them signs and they'd stop after a while and say, Well, I better not go that way. You can't tell me that there's one individual on the face of the earth that's on their way to hell. If they began to see the signs that said, Danger, don't go on this road, danger. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. Danger. And the Spirit of God begins to post signs on the road. Signposts on the road of that person's life. And little by little they begin to see the light and see the light and see the light and see the light because of your persistence, because of your fervency in prayer. Until one day finally they say, bless God, I see it now. I see it. The bridge is out 500 feet. I better not go that way any longer. I better turn around and accept Jesus Christ. Amen. See, prayer works. But remember, we've got to use the wisdom of God concerning all our prayers. Now, we said Moses used boldness when he went into the throne to pray concerning Israel's dilemma. He stood there before the presence of the Father God, and he held up to him his covenant promise. And said, remember Abraham, remember Isaac, and remember Jacob. And repent this day for the evil that you thought to do unto your children. And the Lord repented for the evil he thought to do. So he had boldness toward God. He understood the covenant and it produced results. And then we talked about Abraham's intercession. When he was interceding for the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah in the 18th chapter of the book of Genesis. And we found out that this was a man also of boldness. 
He was bold before God, and he said to the Father, he said, Shall the judge of all the earth do right or do wrong? Shall you destroy the righteous with the wicked? Should there be fifty, wouldn't you spare the city, the cities? And you know the story. From fifty to forty-five to forty to thirty-five to thirty to twenty-five to twenty, all the way down to ten. He tried to get God to change his mind or to not do it. But you see, it was, there, was, there wasn't even ten righteous in the city. But through his intercession, we found out that Lot was saved because the angels came to warn Lot and his family. And praise God, through the intercession of Abraham in, in Genesis 19:29, we found out that the intercession of Abraham caused Lot to be delivered with his children. And so we thank God that it does work. But we saw boldness. We saw humility because he said, who am I but dust that I should have a council session with you, the God of all glory? And remember, we said over there, 103rd Psalm, where it says in verse 13 and 14, As a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pities all those that fear him. He remembers our frame, that we are but the dust of the earth, and he has pity upon us. And so, bless God, when a man comes on his knees before God and on his face, and there's many times, beloved, you should be on your face before God. It's an act of humility. See, we humble ourselves before the almighty hand of God. And the Bible says, we draw nigh him, he'll draw nigh unto us. Amen? Okay. Now, let's look at our scripture here in 1 John 3.16. Intercession, then, is a part of our love walk. You better write that down. Intercession, intercessory prayer is a part of your love walk. Because intercession is an act of love, not selfishness. It is going in the presence of the Father on the behalf of another, not on your own needs. Or your own need, for your own need. Hereby, in verse 16, 1 John 3, 16, Perceive we the love of God, because He laid down His life for us. Jesus laid down His life for us. That's the love of God. And He ever liveth to make intercession for us. That's His present day ministry. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. You say, how can I lay down my life for my brother? Intercessory prayer is one way. I'll say it this way. Intercessory prayer is the most effective way you can lay down your life for your brother. When you get into the presence of the Father on the behalf of somebody else, that person's life will be changed. Because this type of praying works. It was not put in the Bible to take up more space, but it works. Amen. And so we can readily see then that as we yield ourselves unto the Holy Spirit, through the love of God that was shed abroad in our hearts, to pray on the behalf of another individual, this act of love that we are performing is laying down our lives so that somebody else's needs can be met. That's what it is. Now, let me say it to you like this. God's best way in His will is that people receive from the hearing of the Word. And when they hear that Word, the Word should produce faith so that they can hear that Word, have faith in God, and receive their need met. But there are many that will never receive it that way. And so... Many times we'll talk about and hear about 
special manifestations of the Spirit of God, whereby someone's attention is turned towards God because of the fact of a mighty manifestation or a miracle that took place. And so they turn and say, yes, this is the truth, and they get their deliverance, or they get saved, or they come to Jesus. But, beloved, there will be a percentage of people that never, 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 never come to Jesus that never get healed, that never get delivered, that never have their eyes open to the gospel of the truth because somebody's not interceding for them. Somebody's not praying for them. In Ezekiel, the 22nd chapter, the verse 30 and 31, when the Lord said, I sought for a man that would stand the gap and fill up the hedge so that I would not destroy the cities, but I found not even one. And so, in judgment, my wrath was poured out and I destroyed the cities because there was not a man. Oh, would to God that we can realize and see that there are many that we come in contact with every day that the Spirit of God is endeavoring to get us to intercede and pray for these people so they can be delivered, so they can be free, so they can receive their benefits. So intercession is one way, not the only way, but one way. And in some cases it may be the only way for certain individuals whereby they can receive help from God. Now, let's go back to the 8th chapter of, of Romans, and let's continue where we left off here concerning the ministry of the Holy Spirit in intercession. Now, remember, we said we live under a better covenant established upon better promises. Under the old covenant, they did not have the help of the Holy Spirit and speaking with other tongues to help them to intercede according to the perfect will of God. But let's read the scriptures again, and then we'll... Expound on them after we read them. Verse 22 of the 8th chapter of the book of Romans says, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also. Now notice this. Not only is the whole creation groaning and travailing, but we ourselves. He's writing to born-again, spirit-filled Christians that speak with other tongues. I need to stop there for a moment. Someone says, I don't believe in this other tongues. I beg your pardon. If you believe in the Bible, I want you to know that the New Testament was written by born-again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking people. It was. Every one of them were spirit-filled and spoke with other tongues that wrote the, the books of this Bible. Peter did. Paul did. James did. John did. Jude did. Paul did. Read it. Think about it. See? And if we miss out the ministry of the Holy Ghost, you're going to miss out on this ministry of intercession. And if you miss out on the ministry of intercession... Your spiritual life will not be complete. I'm going to show you why right here. I'm going to show you that a person cannot, cannot be an effective Christian as effective as someone who is born again, spirit-filled, and yields themselves to the ministry of the Holy Spirit in groanings and travail so that Christ could be formed in them. Let's read on. And not only they, but all ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves. Grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. Verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Now, underline this. 
if you write in your Bible. If you don't, go out and buy a new Bible, bring it back, and then underline it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Circle the word infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Underline that, verse, that line there and say, that's an infirmity. See, that's an infirmity right there. We know not what we should pray for as we ought is an infirmity. It's called the infirmity of ignorance. But the Spirit, now notice this here, but, I like these buts in the Bible. But the Spirit Himself, I like to say Himself, I don't like to call Him an it. Himself maketh intercession for us. You see why it's a better covenant established upon better promises? Because the Holy Ghost maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, P.C. Nelson was a noted Bible scholar. Greek scholar. I think the number one authority in, in, in Greek translation of the Word of God. And he said that that should be translated with groanings which cannot be uttered in articulate speech. In other words, it can't come out in words that we can understand. It's just groanings, sighings from deep within the spirit of man that cannot be understood, but they are intelligible unto God. See, this is an act of faith, beloved. You don't hear the trees groaning, do you? You don't hear the rocks crying out, do you? No. But I want to tell you something. On the day that Jesus was raised up from the dead, it's a known fact that the earth did cry out and gave up some dead. The graves were opened and the prophets arose and went into the city and began to preach gospel. It's a known fact that Jesus said, if they don't praise my name, the rocks and the stones will cry out. I believe that the rocks and stones are even crying out and groaning in travail and yearnings until the, the adoption, this body, is made known. The redemption, rather, of this body is brought to wit. You say, how can you say such a thing? Remember the law of uh, reciprocals? Remember the testimony we gave of the little boy that died off and, and went off to glory for about 45 minutes and came back down to the earth and told all about it? And one of the ministers, nearby ministers, said and asked about what took place up there. And, and he said uh, something that was different up there was that the, the flowers were so beautiful, but the thing was that the flowers sang. And she asked and says, well, what, why did the flowers sing? And he said, because of life itself. In other words, even the creation is singing praises unto God in glory. What is it that flowers could sing? They sing forth His praise. Okay, here we have the law of reciprocal. The whole creation is under a curse. It's the curse of death. If life causes them to sing, death is causing them to groan from within. And Jesus said that if you don't praise me with your voice, I'll find a rock that will take your place. And it will cry out to me. And that happened on the day that he was resurrected from the dead. The mountains quaked. The rocks cried out. The graves were open. You think about that. And even this whole creation is groaning. Groaning right now in travail. We can't hear it because it's in the spirit realm. We can't hear it. But I know when this curse is lifted off this earth, it'll be a, a, a day of refreshing. You think that these, that these pretty flowers and the beauty that God made over all this earth wanted to mix, be mixed with thorns and thistles? No way. That was not God's intention. 
or initial will. But now here we see that the Spirit of God, even though you may not know how to intelligently get a hold of the will of God concerning your life, you may not know how to get that need met, you may not know how to pray or what you should pray for as you want, he said the Spirit of God is called alongside to help you. The Spirit of God. Now, the, the Amplified Bible of John 14, 16, and 17 tells us that He is the paraclete. He's the one called alongside to help. He's the standby. He's the intercessor. He's the advocate. He's right there called alongside to help. He's the teacher. And He'll pray according to the will of God and intercede for you on your behalf and take hold together with you against your infirmities so that the perfect will of God can be done in your life if you'll yield your spirit to Him and yield your voice to Him and let Him cry out and groan out from within you. And what He's saying here, in essence, is that that's the way we are changed into the very image of God. Now, I'll show that to you as we read on. Let's read the next verse, 27. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints. The Holy Ghost is now in your spirit making intercession for us. According... Notice that intercession is always trying to get the individual to get in line to the will of God. To get into accordance with the will of God. And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit is doing in these groanings and yearnings and travail. is to get people to line up to the Word of God. Now this word infirmities, as I said, you circle it, it means weakness of mind or body. The Holy Ghost helpeth our infirmities, the weaknesses of our mind and body. Now, according to W.E. Vine's expository dictionary on New Testament words, it means the inability to produce results. We need to write that down. An infirmity. The inability to produce results. I talk to a lot of Christians, and they have this problem. They are unable. They heard the Word. They know what the Word says. They know, you know how the faith, all the faith scriptures. And they know that God provides healing. And they know that you know, He provides prosperity. But they, they are unable to tap into the wisdom of God so that they can appropriate those blessings in their life. And it's an it's a, it's a infirmity. The inability to produce results in their lives. And if they can just get beyond that point so that they can have their understanding open up. Then they would be able to produce results. Well, the Spirit of God will work in you, within your spirit, to take hold together with you against that inabil- those inabilities that you have, that's stopping you from producing results, and begin to make intercession for you with groanings that cannot be uttered. Now, this works for you and for others. And I'll show that to you as we go on in our teaching. But that's how the Holy Spirit will build within us as you go up and read the next couple of verses. Build within us the life of God. Look at, look at verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good. Don't take this verse out of context, please. This scripture is not saying that car wrecks and accidents and murders and, and uh, famines and everything else is working together for good. That's not what it's talking about at all. It's talking about the law of the Spirit of life. It's talking about the groanings and travailings and the yearnings of the Spirit by the Holy Ghost who's making intercession for us according to the will of God. It's talking about these things working together in our spirits will work together for good to us because we love God and we are called according to His purpose. That's according to His will. Next verse. 
For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. Now, here is the key. To be conformed to the image of his Son. Write that down. That's how you'll become conformed to Jesus and to his image. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. It is the Spirit of God. And this is exactly what he's saying. I'll show it to you if you'll find very quickly 2 Corinthians. Hold your place there in Romans. Find 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. This will bless your heart. People are saying, I want to walk like Jesus. I want to live like Jesus. I want to act like Jesus. That's a good intention. And you, you need to walk like Jesus. And we need to act like Jesus. And we need to live like Jesus. The Bible tells us that we are to walk even as He walked. 1 John 2, 6. Isn't that what it says? But you see, my... I guess my biggest desire when I became a born-again Christian was not just what I should do, but how do I do it? I tell you that all the time. I want to know how. I want to know how. I don't just want to know that I can. I want to know how can I do it. And I said, Father, if you ever teach me how, I'll start to teach other people how. And that's what I wanted to do. That was my desire. The desire of my heart. Now here, I want to show you that the Holy Spirit will get you to a place that you can conform to the image of Jesus according to the will of God, and begin to walk more and more like Him every day if we'll learn this secret of yearning and travailing and groaning from within so that the Spirit of God can take a hold together with us against our feebleness of mind and feebleness of body. Look at this verse, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 2. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring... To be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so, be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan. Now see, that's exactly what he said in Romans 8. We are groaning within ourselves. Just like the creation is groaning within themselves until, you know, the renovation of all the earth. Well, that we are groaning, we should be groaning within ourselves. For what purpose, Brother Paul? Being burdened. Not for that we should be unclothed. In other words, not just to leave this tabernacle. <coughs> Excuse me. Not to leave this tabernacle, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. And a better translation would say that mortality might be drowned in a sea of life. In other words... The life from within will be so dominant that it will swallow up the life that's in the flesh. And the life in the inner man will just take control over the outer man. And we'll be walking in, well, just as he says right over here in the, um, back up to the third, the, the fourth chapter, verse 11. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. That's what he's talking about. See? He's talking about the life that's within us can be made manifest in our mortal flesh. We can begin to walk as he walked. It's, it's being changed from glory to glory. Every day by the Spirit of our God that he changes us more into the image of Jesus. We are being conformed to the image of Jesus day by day. Now notice, he's talking about down here that... If we are clothed with His glory, we won't be ashamed before God on Judgment Day. But if we are not clothed, 
they will stand before him in shame before the judgment. I want to show you a scripture in Proverbs, the third chapter. Keep your, book in, your finger in the book of Romans there. This blessed me concerning wisdom. Because remember we said that it's important that we don't just learn and have the knowledge of the Word, but we need the wisdom of God to appropriate this Word in an accurate way, in a profitable way. Okay, let's look at the third chapter here concerning wisdom and concerning shame and glory. Verse 35. The wise shall inherit glory. The wise, in other words, those that attain unto wisdom, those that have wisdom, the wise, they shall inherit what? Glory. Proverbs 3, 35. They shall inherit what? Glory. But, now notice this, shame shall be the promotion of fools. He said, if we be clothed upon with glory, we won't be ashamed. But if we are not clothed, then we'll be in shame before our God. Here is what he's talking about. The wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be the promotion of fools. The fear of the Lord is the principal part of wisdom, but fools despise wisdom and understanding, and the fool's promotion shall be shame. But those that seek after and search after wisdom Look at chapter 4. Look at the next page. I'll share something with you. These are just nuggets I'm giving you free. Wasn't even in my notes. Just free. Take a handful of the nuggets and live by them. Look at verse 6. Forsake her not. Talking about wisdom. And she shall preserve thee. The saints are preserved, not pickled. Love her and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Now notice, exalt her, and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. She shall give to thine head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory shall she deliver unto thee. When you start walking in the wisdom of God, beloved, your crown will be a crown of glory. See, we've got to, it's more than just learning the knowledge of the Word. It takes the wisdom of God to appropriate that word in a profitable way. And it takes crying out for this wisdom. And it's the Spirit from within, the Spirit of God from within, as we team up together and take hold together with Him, and we begin to cry out and groan from within for this. He said, cry out for wisdom. Cry out for understanding. That's what He was talking about. Cry out, groanings and travailings. Cry out for wisdom. Cry out for understanding. And He said, it'll promote you. He'll give it to you. He lays up wisdom. For those that are the righteous. Sound wisdom. Okay. Let's go back to that book of Romans now. And I want you to catch another thought here. Notice that Paul is bringing out to us the will of God. Intercessory In other words, somebody's not living for Jesus. They were saved and they are saved and they're walking in darkness. Or, you know, somebody in the family um, turned their back on the Lord and they got mixed up in some kind of false cults or whatever. Well, obviously, they're out of the will of God. They are not, you know, carrying out God's perfect plan in their lives. Now, some people, because they don't understand intercessory prayer, they just say, well, they went their own way. Let them go. There's nothing I can do about it. Oh, but bless God, there is something we can do about it. Something that is effective. 
Now here in verse 27, I want you to note again, He that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the what? To the will of God. Now remember, we said it takes the wisdom of God from our spirits to appropriate the knowledge of the Word. Now the knowledge of the Word... We receive that knowledge into our spirits. It illuminates our mind. Now, how many of you recall in Romans, the 12th chapter? You're nearby. Go, to, go there. Romans, the 12th chapter. And verse 2. Notice how Paul is using the same language. The same language. In verse... We'll read verse 1 and 2. But he's using the same language... Here, as he did back there in Romans 8, 26 and 27. The Spirit of God will be taken hold together with us to pray according to the will of God, not only concerning our lives, so that we can be conformed to the image of Jesus, but concerning the lives of others, that they can get in line with the will of God. Now, look what it says here. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, feebleness of body, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable or, or spiritual service. And be not, here's the word again, conformed. Be not conformed to this world or age, but be transformed. Now remember over there in Romans 8, 20, 29, that we are to be conformed to the image of His Son. Now He's going to tell you how to do it. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you might prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect what? The Spirit maketh intercession for the saints according to the perfect will of God. Now I want you to grab a nugget here if, you're, if you've got your spirits, spiritual ears open. I said that when you came up with the Holy Ghost... And you go before the Father and you say, Dear Father, God, you are so vast in your knowledge and understanding and wisdom. I mean, you, you know, I mean, he's so omniscient. He knows everything, created everything, knows everything. Who could know the mind of God except the Spirit of God, which is in us? The Spirit of God knows the mind of God. The Spirit of God knows the depths of God. The Spirit of God knows all there is to know about God. The Father sent the Spirit of God through Jesus' request unto us for the purpose of teaching us and guiding us into all truth. And he said that it, that Spirit that's inside you, the Holy Ghost, has the ability within himself to teach us the knowledge of the will of God. And when we get together with him and cry out and say, Look, Father God, I know you've got so much wisdom. I know I can have all this wisdom. I know you've laid it up for me. I know you've stored it up for me. I know I can learn more and more and more about you and your will. And begin to cry out. Change me from within, Father God. Change me. I mean, to tell you, the Spirit of God will open up from within your spirit rivers of living water. It will renew your mind. And you'll conform to the very image of Jesus. And I mean to tell you that this ministry of travailing and groaning from within your spirit and crying out unto God in a way whereby He can unfail and unfold His Word to us is the delight of the Father's heart. And it's needful for every Christian if they're going to really wax strong in the things of the Spirit. I mean to tell you, the teacher abides in you. The Holy Ghost is the teacher of the church. He said, he's, Jesus said, when he comes, the comforter, he's going to teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have spoken unto you. 
Now, that's his duty. That's his job. And that's what he wants to do in our lives. But that's how he does it. And that's why we could stand before God in our feebleness of mind and feebleness of body and, and say, Look, Father, I know that I'm limited by my intelligence. And so I, I'm just crying out to you that by your Spirit unfold and unveil to me. That's an infirmity. See, that is an infirmity. There's a lot of people, and listen to me, how many of you said it took me, Lord, it took me three years to grab a hold of the faith message? It took me four years to find out, finally get a hold of how faith works. I know some people that, uh, that I talk to and they say, you know, it's been the hardest thing for me to understand how faith works. Why is that? That's an infirmity. I'll show you where it's at. Look at Luke's Gospel, the 24th chapter. That's an infirmity. That's an infirmity that only the Spirit of God can deal with and change. Luke's Gospel, the 24th chapter. Write down number one. This is an infirmity. Ignorance is an infirmity. And number two, dullness of perception. Write this down as number two, dullness of perception. Let's begin reading at verse 13. All right. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about three score furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? And the one of them whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are to come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death, and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, were, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the woman had said, but him they saw not. Then said he unto them, now listen, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Slow of heart, dullness of perception. Slow of heart, dullness of perception. Let's go on. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village, whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and break and gave it to them. And their eyes were open, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. Now notice what they said. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the Scriptures? 
I want to tell you something right now, beloved. Unless the Spirit of God is opening up to you the Scriptures, you can sit back in dullness of perception. You can sit back and never have a true understanding of the redemptive work of Christ in your life. And if that's, if that's the case, people will never, never attain to what Jesus you know, did for them on this earth. Paul prayed to the church at Ephesus and said, I pray and cease not to make mention of you people in my prayers, praying that the God of all glory, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. It's the spirit of wisdom given unto us that opens up the eyes of our understanding that we may know the hope of His calling. The riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints and the exceeding greatness of His power to us were to believe. And it's only by prayer, groaning, travail, crying out unto the Lord that the Spirit of God can open up and unveil us this wisdom, this understanding, this knowledge of the power we have in us when Jesus was raised from the dead. And that's how it gets there. And as you go on and read the rest of this chapter, I'm not going to take the time to do it, but go on down to verse 45. Then open he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. How many have you heard that said, I read my Bible every day, but I don't understand the Scriptures. I read it time and time again, but I don't understand what it's saying. See, that's a feebleness of mind or body. That is an infirmity. Listen, I know people like that. I, that that's nothing against the person. I'm serious. We need to get information to the people so that they can learn how to yield to the Holy Ghost so the Holy Ghost can open up their understanding and unveil to them what Jesus did for them when He was raised up from the dead. This is part of intercessory prayer. See, you're not going to get that, beloved, by praying the prayer of faith. You may use the prayer of binding and loosing or the prayer of agreement, but you're going to have to pray the prayer of intercession and that intercession is going to hold back them forces of darkness that's blinding the mind so that you can have your mind open up to the Scriptures because they'll interfere with your mind and your thinking and, and lead you astray. Don't you remember over there in Ephesians 4 when uh, the Bible says that He gave gifts unto men and He gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come into the unity of faith to the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind and doctrine by the slighted men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. There are so many people that are lying in deception right now because they have listened to these people with their winds of doctrine and the Spirit of God could not unveil and unfold to them the truth. That's why He gave gifts unto men and put these people in offices in the church so that He can, in a you know, faster way, a quicker way, get this information over to the body of Christ so that we could grow up in Him in all things. Now, people need to be taught that intercession and intercessory prayer is a part of the working of the Holy Ghost to build within us the life of Christ so that we can be conformed to His life and walk in His life. Well, that should be on our prayer list. So two infirmities we see so far are, number one, this feebleness of mind and body, ignorance, ignorance, and number two, dullness of perception. Now, just what does these groanings and yearnings do for us? What do they do for us? What do they do for us? 
Now, if you're taking notes, write these down to help you out. Number one, presents the need to the Father in an accurate way. Presents the need to the Father in an accurate way. Now, let me give you an example. See, when you, you know, I'm growing every day. But when I was just saved, just a young babe in the Lord, just filled with the Holy Ghost, I was in my crane at, at work on the, eve, the afternoon shift. And I was reading my Bible, because I had lots of time to read my Bible up there in the crane, you know. Amen. And uh, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I hit my knees on the floor. That was a filthy old crane, too. I mean, you know, black as could be, dirty as could be. But I just got off that chair, put my Bible down, and I hit my knees on the floor. And I began to go off into other tongues quick, fast. I never had anything like it before. I mean, fast and hard as I could. For about 40 minutes. 40 minutes, I mean, just nonstop, as quick as I could. And I didn't know people did that, because I, I was just filled with the Holy Ghost. I, I didn't know much about it. And I just went off into tongues for about 40 minutes and just kept on doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it. Well, I just thought I was just getting, you know... <clears throat> I don't know, just praying. That's all, just praying. That's all. I just, you know, interpreted it as I was just praying. So, I got home. It's, and isn't it, isn't it nice how the Spirit of God will sometimes unveil to us what we've been praying about? I went home, and I asked my wife, I says, how was your day, honey? She says, oh, just, you know, really good. And as a matter of fact, I had my first opportunity to, to counsel with somebody who had need of help. I said, is that right? I said, well, that's great. She said, and I didn't know that I knew what I knew. Until I began to open up my mouth and speak it out because then it began to flow out of me. It just, you know, it just began to come right out of me. And I began to tell this person exactly what to do. And I was quoting scripture and saying, you know, what the word says and so on and so forth. And she says, I didn't know how I did it. I says, honey, what time did that happen to be that you were doing that? That you were on the phone with this person? And she said, exactly the same 40 minutes that I was praying on my knees in intercession, she was on that phone talking to that individual. See, I didn't know what the need was. How would I know that? We're miles apart. How would I know what the need is? That's why by faith we enter into this and just begin to do it because we have that urgency inside our spirit. We just take hold together with the Spirit of God and we begin to do it and the Spirit of God will present that need to the Father in an accurate way. He knew what to pray for. I didn't. He that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit and prays and makes intercession for the saints according to the perfect will of God. And so through that intercessory prayer and intercession, I was upholding her in prayer while she was ministering the Word. And you'll find out that really every ministry should be that way. I should never walk up to this pulpit without, pulpit without somebody out there, including not only myself. I'm not a one-man you know, show. I can't do it all by myself. People should be upholding my office, this office, in prayer before I ever begin to speak. And believe me, when you're not doing it, I know you're not doing it. I know you're not doing it. If you're not doing it, I know it. You don't have to tell me. Because I already know. I know in my spirit. Let me share that with you since we're just uh, having fun. You remember the night, that Wednesday night, when I, you know, the Spirit of God led me to talk about intercessory prayer. We only had like a couple coming to intercessory prayer group. Only like two were, were down to two people just coming and attending intercessory prayer group. Well, I wasn't here and I didn't know how many people were here. I was sharing this with Stephanie. I wasn't here. I didn't know how many people were showing up in the, in the last few weeks that, that were coming. But I had, I says, you know, I says, now, Father, I, says, I don't want to know what's the problem. I get on my knees to pray. It seems like there's just a black cloud all over the place. I says, I, get, I want to study the Bible. It seems like there's some blockage. What's going on? And I'm up in my 
little room I have, you know. I'm studying away and trying to write, write out my scriptures and studying the Word of God and praying, you know, forcing it, Mike. Forcing, just forcing it. And so I'm finally, I said, you know, Jim, did you ever argue with the Lord like Moses did and said, don't send me, Lord? Well, I'm out there trying to write out my, my sermon. I'm going to continue on my subject and, and the Spirit of God saying, you ain't going to preach that. You know, and I'm writing out there and I'm not listening to what the Spirit of God is saying to me. I'm just writing out and saying, well, what am I going to preach if I'm not going to preach this, you know? I'm not going to preach that. You're not going to preach that. I said, what do you want me to do? And finally, I, you know, I, I worked with them all the way. And I finally got back in my office over there like I always do. And I'm, you know, writing, just, not, just reading and studying and going over my notes. And don't even take it up there to the pulpit because you're not going to preach it. All right. So finally you yield, you know, like you always do. And uh, after much persuasion. Then you said, oh, what do you want me to do? Just let me speak. Just let me minister. Now, I didn't know this. And we talked about intercessory prayer that night. We talked about how it's the foundation, it's the basis for any, any ministry. Without the intercessors, I don't care. I don't care what's being preached. It's not going to work. You know, you can't get ahead of your prayers. Prayer upholds the work of the Lord in the earth. And the Spirit of God knew. And it came out that we need to have people interceding and praying. I felt it. It was like, I'm telling you, I, I knew it. If you say feeling, but I felt it in, in this realm because I, I knew. It was a spiritual thing, but you can feel the effects of it in this realm. It was hard to get it. But I'll tell you what, that next Monday, we had a, a church full of people here interceding and praying. I mean, to tell you, it was, I felt the effects of it. I mean, just like that, just like night and day, I says, glory be to God. Hallelujah. You could sense the release. You can actually, it seems like them angels just, just, just charged around the place and said, back off, darkness, and get out of the way, blockage. And I mean, the Spirit of God just began to flow and the revelation began to flow and, and the wisdom of God began to flow. You can tell when there's not enough intercessory prayer going up. So remember that and keep yourself you know, in intercessory prayer at all times concerning your life and concerning the ministry. It's very important. It's very important. Well, where are we at? We get off on that. Number one, it presents the need in an accurate way. And in this case, the need was met. See, it was met. I was praying and she was speaking. Number two, it directs our desires to the proper objects. Pray for me, Brother John. What do you want me to pray for? Well, you know, I'm having a little problem with this or a little problem with that. You see, this, we are so limited by our minds. You may think you want, you want that person to pray for this, like, pray for my healing, brother. And so I hear those words and my thinking, you know, starts to, okay, I've got to pray healing scriptures, the word. And, but wait a minute, wait a minute. And I've had this happen in a lot of cases, that it wasn't the healing that was needed to be prayed for. It was the cause of the sickness that was to be prayed for. I remember dealing with an individual in, in this case, and it, it, it had to deal with um, uh, being out of fellowship with God. A certain thing, I won't get into it, that was causing faith not to work concerning the healing of the body. And here you are with your own natural mind, you're thinking, well, you've got to get that person healed, and you want to, you know, use the wisdom of God and use the Word of God and show them how faith works to get that person healed. When, in essence, the Spirit of God was saying, that's not the problem. The problem is this over here. If you get rid of this, the healing will come. And after much digging into, finding out where the problem really was, it was not healing that had to be dealt with. It was sin. 
Now hear me. When we went to the source of the sickness, the sin, and got rid of it, the healing came. Just like that. So you see, we've got to have our prayer directed to the right object, directed into the right way. And in spirit, we can do that. Because the Holy Spirit will do that with these groanings. He'll direct our attention and our prayers in the right, in the right way, in the, to the right object. That needs to be prayed for. Number three, it helps us to be specific. Specific. Again, because it points out the perfect will of God. Remember, he says he makes prayer intercession according to the perfect will of God. So it helps us to be specific. Number four. This is very important. Number four. I mentioned it, but we'll just write it down for teaching purposes. In adverse circumstances, it helps us to respond as Jesus did by changing us inwardly. In adverse circumstances, it helps us to respond as Jesus did by changing us inwardly. Put a little dash. Then the natural flow outwardly will be in accordance to God's will. then the natural flow outwardly will be in accordance to God's will. Someone says, I've got to control that temper of mine. I acted wrongly. Well, these groanings and travailings and yearnings from within is the Holy Spirit changing us inwardly so that in adverse circumstances, instead of acting wrongly, as He changes us inwardly, when that thing comes, we'll act like Jesus did to that circumstance. And the outflowing, the natural outflowing, will not be in anger, but it will be in love. That's according to the will of God. See, people try to change themselves from the outside. Don't do this and don't do that. That's not the way God does it. He changes you from the inside. And the inside change causes you to change outwardly. And it's the Holy Spirit that does this inside you. You can't see it happening. You see, you can't see it happening. But praise God, that's what these groanings and yearnings and travailings, that's what they really do. So they're helpful to you and they're helpful to others. Now, let's go to... Hallelujah. Where does the time go? Isn't the Word of God so good? We're going to have to get this... Well, let's get this scripture on the tape and then we'll, we'll have to close it because we're out of time here. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 14 chapter. I've got so much to say. Glory be to God. 14th verse. Oh, bless you, Father. Now, actually, I'm going to read this to you from the Amplified Bible, and we're going to, I'm going to show you exactly. Remember the scripture? We brought out this scripture in the beginning of this teaching on intercession. I want to point out again now. We said we need the wisdom of God. We said we need the Spirit of God to unveil to our spirits this wisdom so that we can appropriate the Word of God in a profitable way. And when it comes to intercessory prayer, it's the same thing. It's got to be done in the wisdom of God. We've got to use the Word of God in a, in a, in a positive way. And we've got to use it through God's wisdom to get results. That's what we want. How many of you just want to pray just to pray? Or how many of you want to pray to get results? Don't you want to pray to get results? That's what this is all about. It's praying to get results, not just to pray to pray. 
Okay, now here the Holy Spirit, besides doing all this, the Holy Spirit in, in uh, let's see, verse 14 and 15. Now I'm reading from the Amplified, so you can just follow along from your King James. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit by the Holy Spirit within me prays, but my mind is unproductive, it bears no fruit and helps nobody. Then what am I to do? I will pray with my spirit by the Holy Spirit that is within me. See, that's other tongues. Notice he said in verse 14, If I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit pray. By the Holy Spirit. Now, verse 15. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit by the Holy Spirit that is within me. I will pray also pray intelligently with my mind and understanding. I will sing with my spirit by the Holy Spirit that is within me. But I will sing intelligently with my mind and understanding also. Now, he's talking about, remember Jesus said, they shall worship me in spirit and in truth. In the spirit, it's with other tongues by the Holy Ghost. In, in, in understanding, according to the understanding, you are praying according to the truth or the word. With my mind, I pray the word. With my spirit, I pray in other tongues by the Holy Ghost. And cooperating together, the word and the spirit, they cooperate together to bring and produce results. Now, write down number five. I didn't give this to you. Write number, uh, number five is what these groanings and yearnings actually do. Number five was helps us to conform to the image of Christ. Helps us to conform to the image of Christ. That was Romans 8, 29. Now, I said I wanted to give you some examples, so we're going to just give you an example real quick here if we've got a minute on that tape left. Okay, two minutes. And uh, let's say that you are praying. Let's go to second. You're close by. Go to Second Corinthians four four. Verses three and four. Now we said all this to really get us to a place that we can begin to teach by precept and example, which we'll be getting into in our next lesson next week. Well, we may not even touch it next week. Let's see. If we have to wait, maybe we'll wait two weeks. We got communion, we got, praise God, another ministry. Okay, 4 4, 4 3 and 4. But if our gospel be heeded, it is hid to them that are lost. Let's say you wanted to pray for somebody that's lost. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Now here's using the wisdom of God, here's using the word of God, here's using the spirit of God. A person that you want saved is lost. They're lost. It's a loved one. And you want them saved. It's the perfect will of God that that person be saved, but they are not cooperating with the will of God. You may have even preached the word and they heard the word, but they didn't accept the word. They didn't accept your belief. So consequently, now you begin to intercede for that person. Well, how do I intercede? And how do I pray? What types of prayer do I use? Here we see that there is a spirit that blinds the mind of these people from receiving the light. So that spirit must be dealt with once and for all. We'll take the prayer of binding and loosing and command that spirit to come out of that mind that's, that's blinding that mind. Now you do that just by saying and calling to it, Thou foul spirit that blinds the mind of, of Job, from receiving the light, that's what it said here, from receiving the light of the glorious gospel, I command you to come out of his mind in Jesus' name. I loose you of your assignment 
over his life, you will not destroy his life. Now I bind you in the name of Jesus and every foul spirit that's been operating with you against his mind to keep him in darkness. Now see, that's bound now. Now your faith takes over and I believe it's bound. That's it, it's bound. Period. You don't have to bind it again. It's bound. I loose the ministering spirits and give them charge over his life. Father, send forth labors into the pathway of his life to bring unto him the word of truth so that light can now shine unto his mind that he can be saved. Now the Holy Spirit will take hold together with you in intercession as you pray in other tongues. Now remember, this groaning and travail is part of giving birth to people into the family of God. Paul said in Galatians 4.19, My little children, of whom I travail again in pain until Christ be formed in you, but also not just to get Christ formed in people, but it's to get them born again. In Isaiah 66 chapter, verse 8 I believe it is, he said, Shall I bring him to the birth and, and, and not cause him to come forth? When Zion hath travailed, then she brought forth her children. So then you begin to cooperate with the Holy Ghost and pray in other tongues in a fervent and a persevering way. And you insist that that spirit is bound. You insist that mind is free. You insist that the light is going in. And you insist that the Spirit of God is teaming up together with you. And that person is delivered from the authority of darkness. And what a take. Okay? And as you begin to do that, the forces of life begin to take, take hold and begin to go into operation. Those spiritual laws go into operation. And these people, they come to a place of freedom. Let's all stand before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our Legacy Teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.